electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Mike Coe, Gina Sanchez, and Carter Work. Tonight on Fast, the shorts are piling in on some of the biggest tech names in the market. So are these high flyers in trouble? We've got the details. Plus, from worst to first, energy has been lagging all year, but the chart master says it's about to take off. He'll break that trade down. And later, it's into sin. Casinos and other so-called vice stocks have been surging. But if history is any indication, it could be time to call it quits. We will explain. But first, we start off with, of course, the markets. The S&P Dow and Nasdaq closing at the dead lows on this last trading session of the year. The Dow dropping 100 points. This after what has been a record year for stocks. The Dow surging 25%, seeing 71 record closes for its best performance since 2013. The U.S. gaining $4.5 trillion in market capitalization. But it wasn't just here. Investors all over the world have reason to celebrate. China up 33%, its best year since 2009. Germany, Europe, Japan, all up more than 20%. This is as measured by the ETFs. Even Brazil getting in on the action. So with global stocks are booming, where should you put your money in 2018? Tim. Well, if you look at that chart, one of the reasons global stocks were booming is because the dollar was weaker. And if you think about a lot of those returns, if you invest in, say, the EWG, which is Germany, you're investing as a dollar investor. And actually, the euro strengthened. And on some level, while that's bad for the market, it's actually, you know, it's, it's, not, bad, it's not bad for you uh, as a European. It's not great for you as a, as a U.S. investor because your dollars are going down. But ultimately, it was a big year about the dollar. The dollar closed today down about 40 basis points. It was down almost 1.34 percent this week. Uh, if you look at it on a momentum basis, it's at a 22 RSI. The dollar hasn't been this week since July, yet the Fed just hiked. We just passed a fiscal bill. Um, we got all kinds of enthusiasm in the business community, and it's, it's quite shocking. Um, and, you know, really, I think this is a bit of a head fake, because while I don't think the dollar goes to 98 uh, immediately in the new year, in fact, it may not, but I do think that the dollar is oversold here, and, and I do think people are underestimating the Fed. So we get a bounce in the dollar, and what happens to U.S. stocks? Well, I think, I think U.S. stocks are going to bounce with the dollar okay. more than global stocks, but I think ultimately you're going to get a major shot. Just to be clear, um, as a guy that's been investing globally for 20 years, uh, I do think that the fundamentals around the world look extraordinary. I mean, Europe will probably grow north of 2% in 2018, and ultimately I think the euro will be stronger than the dollar by the end of the year. So I think it's a great environment. I think valuation-wise it really comes down to that and EPS growth, and I think, I think actually Europe and emerging look better. I mean, the dollar can cut both ways, though, can't it? I mean, obviously, if you have a lot of international sales, you know, if you have a weakening dollar, then things can look better. We often talk about mm-hmm. dollar strength as being a pressure yep. when you're talking about international revenues. So obviously, you have, you have it sort of both ways. And, you know, when I take a look at the market right here, things that we typically look for, especially options traders in particular, you know, how is volatility? If volatility is rising as the market rises, that's a warning sign. If volatility is relatively stable and the market continues to rise, there isn't really an indication for us at least, that it's going to roll over immediately. I mean, the big bet that has to be made is whether you overweight the U.S. again uh, in the year ahead or whether you favor emerging markets or even developed markets in Western Europe. And what we know is that because of the underweighting in tech, basically Europe almost by definition will lag the U.S. And there's no way out of that. We might have some charts here on the screen. Over the last year or two, if you look at the MSCI All-Country World Index versus the MSCI All-Country World X U.S., 
they're the same, but if you look at long term, basically all equities ex the U.S. are still below where they were in 07. And the stock 600 is still below where it was in 2000. When you look at these long-term charts, Carter, because, you know, what I see for emerging and for commodity, these are long cycles. Emerging underperformed for five and a half years before it's kind of double-bottomed in the last year. And Gina knows a lot about these markets, too. So uh, does, does that – are you looking at the longer trend? Because we're not talking about single stocks. Sure. We're talking yeah. about entire indices. Gina. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to make a point that, in fact, emerging markets have been coming out of a cyclical rut. Right. And they still are cheap relative to where they can go from here. And we're definitely betting emerging markets over the U.S. for 2018. So, and that's what, and that means you have to have, obviously, robust economic growth. That's a risk-on kind of bet, because defense is, is saying, listen, idiosyncratic tech will prevail, or idiosyncratic, I sell the best coffee, Starbucks, or Home Depot, meaning, and typically, uh, that's a better bet, unless you get a real robust uh, economic cycle. Are we late in the cycle or is it a new cycle? Well, I mean, we're late in the cycle, so but if, if you look at global trade, global trade is expanding and global trade expanding actually given how the U.S. has been negotiating with regard to trade, we're going to get left out of that trade. Emerging markets are actually going to ride that through into 2018. They've had a great year this year and they're going to have another good year next year because of that. Global the, trade right now is massive. I, I agree with that. The one thing I see, and I think we saw this after we knew the tax bill was a reality, mm -hmm. is emerging really underperformed. It underperformed by 5%. Once, when the U.S. market look good. Um, frankly, it's very difficult, even though that should be good for the world. It's been difficult for the for the other markets, even Europe, to outperform when you consider the size of the allocations. So, um, look, if, if a tax bill cuts uh, most U.S. domiciled companies from 37, 38 percent down to 21, 22, uh, and, and analysts are able to push up their, their earnings forecast 20 percent, look, it's, it's, it's very front-loaded. I think the next couple quarters could be good, and what's so good will be bad because it'll bring in the Fed. Carter, where would you put your money? It sounds like you're leaning towards the U.S. Oh, I would Like you're definitely, questioning yeah, the growth Because overseas. I think, uh, basically, the, the sort of the rock sort of large cap or super cap growth names that dominate the index are actually in sustainable uptrends that are neither too steep, nor are they burdened with some of the things that might be coming in 2018. Yeah, no, I, I'm supportive of that, too. I mean, look, one of the things we have to think about is whether we see any real legitimate fundamental pressures that could harm U.S.-based companies. And right now, whether you like, you know, basically the regulation trends, whether you happen to like mm -hmm. our new tax policies, these things are basically positive for business on the whole. And you put those things together with no real warning signs on the horizon, and I think that's positive for so U.S. equities. So you would also lean towards the U.S.? I would lean towards so the U.S. So two votes for U.S. Where specifically in emerging, Gina? So in emerging markets, we're looking at the trade trade story. Like mm -hmm. one of the stories that we're going to talk about later is going to be Alibaba, which actually gives the trade and the e-tailing story altogether. But look, at the end of the day, you want to you want to trade Malaysia, Indonesia, Korea. These are trading stories, mm -hmm. right? And, and we think global trade continues to expand. Tim. Uh, you know, first of all, I think you've had enormous recoveries in places like South Africa, EZA, Turkey, TUR. There's a lot of ETFs you can play. Um, I still think China tech is going to outperform. I still think if you believe in U.S. tech, you believe in China tech. You also believe in Taiwan Semi, and you believe in Samsung. And make no mistake, as much as we've been talking about that over here, these have been arguably the best performing companies in you, the world. You can't have international exposure with U.S. companies, though, outside of the tech space and take a look at one of the best performing more recently, like Caterpillar. So that's certainly an example of that. You, that, chart, that doesn't scare you, that doesn't scare you, the steepness of the chart, you know, the valuations uh, here? Well, you know, this is really interesting because Caterpillar have been a favorite short for quite a while basically on the story that we were never going to see anything like the basically the emerging market story that we had before that the commodity boom was, was over, over for yeah. once and once and for all 
if you took a look at it on a trailing basis, you would say, well, the company is actually not that expensive. Of course, you have to recover. You basically, you have to see the proof come out. And we haven't seen that yet for Caterpillar. Right. Well, as we had mentioned, tech has been a key theme to the rally across the globe. To even mention Chinese Internet stocks, they've been surging along with the popular fang names here in the United States, actually outperforming them. Chartmaster, you say one of the groups is overdone. Well, that's right. Plasma, they've, they've outperformed by a massive amount, but their relative performance to U.S. tech is quite poor for the fourth month in a row. Let's look at a few charts and then try to, you know, have a thesis here. I think you want to stick with U.S. growth, tech growth versus, let's say, Chinese uh, tech. So what I've got here are the names you know, and there's six of them. And they are big and important, and they are all appreciating aggressively. Let's go to the next slide. And here are six others, and you know them. In fact, five of these, the largest five stocks in the S&P, and then there's this smaller guy, Netflix, but important nonetheless. Six U.S. tech stocks worth $3.4 trillion. Those Asian stocks were worth $1.2 trillion. Now, let's look at a few charts. Here is five years. And what we've got is just what we were discussing as a group there. Chinese tech massively outperforming this U.S. basket. Take a look at the past two years. Again, Chinese tech outperforming. Let's bring it in a little closer. Here's the past 12 months, almost a double. Now, this is where it gets interesting. I'm going to do a one-year chart, but instead of having two lines comparative, I'm going to look at relative performance of Chinese. So what we have now is not two lines, simply the six Chinese tech stocks, and this is relative performance to the U.S. Basically, what we have is the following situation. These have gone higher, and their relative performance peaked in September and has gone lower. I think that's not over yet, and I want to favor U.S. tech over this high-flying basket, which has been such an outperformer long-term. Carter, come back over. We need you here on the desk tonight. We were just no dawdling here. No, one of the things I was talking about before was when you see rapidly rising prices and increasing volatility. If we brought one of those charts back, one of the things you would see when you take a look at, for example, some of these Chinese names is rising prices, rising volatility. That's even if you just think about it this way, risk adjusted rates of return. That's one of the things that also suggests you would favor the U.S. based stocks. I mean, you're basically getting paid, you know, very good rates of return, but have considerably lower risk. Just as a setup, though, just think about one of it's like a one-two punch. If you have something that has massive outperformance, that circumstance is in effect. You saw the five-year spread that then starts to show underperformance. That's how something begins that ends up getting more speed. So you have the precondition of I'm too good, and then you start to actually lose that too good. You stumble. But you... it was too good this year. It wasn't too good for the previous couple of years before that. I mean, Alibaba was a show-me stock for a long time. But and as I... a basket, as a theme, as a concept, right, they are, uh, they are true winners and blowing away the greatest U.S. Uh, businesses. But well, but for that. I mean, they were coming up from such low numbers, and there's a massive population. So that was a pure numbers game. And that sure. numbers game actually still isn't over. I mean, I think that's part of the And do you story. think the relative underperformance of the last four months is because they got ahead of themselves? Or do you think people are saying, wait a minute, it. They, they are uh, maybe so far ahead of themselves that they have to rest for more than four months. I, well, I think they had 
Singles Day, I think they blew away numbers, and I think a lot of it was the most crowded trade on the street. And so you didn't have to be a, an emerging markets guy to be long BABA. In fact, if you look now, BABA is yeah. probably, it is. My so prime broker is telling me, fund it, well, it's, it's telling me that it's now in the top 15 most shorted stocks by concentration of the hedge funds on the street. That tells me guys made their money, they're going the other way on it, or people just say it's unsustainable. Look, the, the pullback in this, and, and you know, I... I don't feel the need to defend this all the time, but I will say if I look at it on an earnings basis, on a, on a peg basis, it's, it's cheaper than the big cap tech in the U.S. And the big issue with BABA is do you trust Big Brother? And, and that's what people are worried about. Coming up, President Trump going postal on Twitter today, putting Amazon and the post office on blast. We've got those details. Plus, energy stocks staging a major comeback at the end of the year. And the chart master here says the chart looks ripe for an even bigger rally. He'll break it down. And later, sin stocks getting a boost this year. But history mm. says the buzz is about to wear off. We will whoa, explain much more fast money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. President Trump going postal on Twitter just as peak shipping season wraps up and that kicks off our top trades. Now, earlier he tweeted, why is the United States Post Office, which is losing many billions of dollars a year while charging Amazon and others so little to deliver their packages, making Amazon richer and the post office dumber and poorer, should be charging much more exclamation point, more in all caps. Amazon was down around 1% today. So will USPS make changes to their prices? How could this impact Amazon, FedEx, UPS, Mike? Well, first of all, I think that the secular trends for Amazon remain intact, regardless of who is going to be delivering the packages. And by the way, when I order from Amazon, it's usually coming from UPS and FedEx. That said, if anything is, what, what's he making a case for here? That U.S. Postal Service should raise, raise the rates? Who is that going to be good for? It's going to be good for UPS <laughs> and it's going to be good for FedEx. And it's not going to have any impact on Amazon at all. That trend isn't going to end. I'm not going to get in the car and drive to the store to go get something because the post office raises their rates. Yeah. I'm not, not sure who the has thing. the leverage in this situation, no win, right? No, USPS needs sure. the business. Uh, it's a, I mean, look, this is a talk about an uptrend that's intact and neither steep nor rolling. Um, FedEx coming out with great numbers just a week ago, breaking out to new highs. This is, this is nothing, you know? Real quick, international paper, I've said this before, but it's an amazing stat, makes one of every three car, every three boxes that's delivered, uh, you know, by Amazon. So, you know, there are one other, out of play, every one three of every boxes. three, and, and this a is the ticker's boxes. IP, but it's a, it's a fantastic company. But this is, there are a lot of other players in the chain. It's certainly a very late cycle sign of the economy, and that's also very good to track. And quite frankly, Amazon is getting beyond just delivery. I mean, you look at sort of how they've expanded their business model. This is, this is a massive segment right now, but it, it is going to become and continues to become a bigger and more diversified company. Moving on, Goldman Sachs bracing for a big tax hit. The investment bank forecasts a new tax bill will reduce current quarter earnings by $5 billion, which is partially due to its re repatriation of cash under new lower rates. So can investors expect to see more losses from the other big banks? So we've seen this already yeah. from City, Citibank, Suites, from a bunch of them already. First of all, I mean, there's no free lunch. And, and obviously where you had offshore benefits, you're going to certainly have to, to now pay for them, but pay a lot less than you mm -hmm. thought. Um, Citibank, it was, this came up, this hit the tape about two weeks ago. Yeah. It was going to have an enormous billion, deferred think, tax uh, you know, hit um, from a benefit that they get. And, you know, but if anyone can, can certainly smooth this over multiple quarters, it will be them. We mentioned this about GE last night. A company that right now is struggling to pay their dividend has a $9 billion tax hit. They're probably going to hit them for a billion three uh, every year until then. So it, I, this is no. not in any way. It's more important that these banks are going down to a 20, 21% effect. From a 30, right. Goldman paid 26% less. Exactly right. From a shareholder's perspective, as your basically deferred tax assets go down in value, that's actually good news for you. 
That means your liability, your future tax liability, has been decreased. You're going to make more money. That's a good right. thing. I mean, and Goldman, specifically, independent of this particular news, I mean, this has been a tremendously bad investment. I mean, you're talking about a stock that's only up 6 7% for the year, underperforming yeah. every major bank, its media competitor, Morgan Stanley, all the online brokers. There's something specifically not right but about Goldman. But isn't the environment turning in their favor? I mean, if we are to believe I mean, it, that well, M&A picks up next year, we'll see, no regulations equals Goldman, Goldman can be very aggressive. If the Who's rate's going to move, and we'll look, that is Goldman. Right there. I mean, right. Come on. We were at 264 to start this year. Here we are at 23924. Rates aren't moving. Okay, so That's let right. me. No, but they are on the short end. I, Goldman I, I, or JP Morgan here? For the next 12 months? Yeah, next I think it's months. Goldman. I think it's Goldman. It's yeah. not an indictment on J.P. Morgan. It's right, best right. of the breed, but I, I think that's right. Yeah. And I think it's because of its, its fees, its M&A fees, because the, the curve is not only not moving, it's not steepening. The, the, the long end of the curve right. is going nowhere. That's how they make money. Still ahead, the shorts are biting into Apple heading into the new year. So is it time to buy a little eye protection? We will explain. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC First and Business Worldwide. Welcome back to Fast Money. Sin is in with booze mm. and cigarette stocks among some of the biggest winners in Q4. But it may be time to take profits right now. Landon Dowdy's back at headquarters with more. Hi, Landon. Hey there, Melissa. Well, if you have sin stocks in your portfolio, booze, cigarette, and gambling companies, they may be a hard habit to break, but maybe you should. Here's why. Let's start with booze. With the help of our partners at Kensho, looking back the past 20 years, these stocks typically perform well in Q4, but they start to lose their buzz in the new year. Take a look. Ambev up nearly 19% in Q4 on average, but slides half a percent in January. Molson Coors and Boston Beer both up about 6% in Q4 and sliding 4% and 2% respectively in January. Diageo up about half a percent and down about 2% on average in January. Tobacco stocks turning up some smoking results in Q4 before burning out in the new year. Altria up 7% on average but does drop about a third of a percent in January. And also Philip Morris up 2% in Q4, sliding 3% on average in January. Casino stocks a little bit more of a gamble with win of 5% in Q4 and managing to hold on to those gains in the new year, while Churchill Downs has 7% average returns and MGM Resorts 1% in Q4, both pulling back down about 2% in January. So again, while Sin is in right now, you may want to dial it back a bit. Melissa, back over to you. Have a very happy New Year's. You too, Landon. Thanks. Landon Dowdy back at headquarters. You know what is Sin is? Sin is in. Tim's vest. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to throw it out On there. the eve of New Year's, though, we have by. to, we have, this is, this is actually something I think people revel in. In fact, Seasonal. look at that. It's, it's seasonal. It's a little chilly out there. Just a snuggle little. by the fire. Put on a suede vest. Everybody, this is this is a New Year's thing. Grab your honey. Um, so, sim stocks. First of all, look what's going on in the cannabis industry too. Over the last couple of days, these names have been ripping as as California goes online. Um, if you invested in Diageo, the whiskey ETF, you're up 40 percent this year. So, when you consider uh, that the Kager or essentially the combat compound annual growth rate of these stocks, uh, because of the global trade in spirits, if you're an emerging markets investor, you know all about these companies who are killing it there. I think you stay in these trades. So interesting. I think the alcohol trade also gets helped by the tax plan, and it actually hurts tobacco um, at, the, at the same time. So I do actually think that alcohol gets traded. And on the emerging markets theme, if you believe in gambling, then you have to believe I that Macau and China yep. is going to be a big component of that yep. and win. The, uh, well, sure, the casinos. <laughs> and I mean, you believe in were, sin. If, uh, Carter, come well, on. Listen, guy like you. every day you try to do a little bit. I mean, <laughs> I mean come on. Why does that part? just ring hollow? The, uh, <laughs> look, as Constellation Brands, STZ, is bar none, 
risk-adjusted, one of the best-performing equities there is. It blows away Diageo. It's on a five-year basis. It's doubled the performance of Apple, McDonald's, Boeing. Um, uh, if you had to pick one, Sin. Also, it's not bad stuff they sell. Uh, you know, this is this is the one to uh, do. I mean, the population like is it. always growing, but in addition to that, we've seen consumption of a lot of these things also grow. That's a secular tailwind. And take a look. I mean, there's hardly any industry that is as stable as these are through good times and well. And, and look at the cigarette stocks, because again, you know, three months ago, you had the FDA hammering these companies. Uh, Altria Mo, which is a name I'm long, and I've been longing for a long time, went from 72 down to 60. And that's domestic. And that, yeah, and it's yeah. a domestic play. That's their domestic arm. And in fact, again, they get a major benefit from this tax deal. But that stock crawled all the way back even before this tax deal. That is a great dividend yield. They diversified their business. These guys are, look, they're some of the smartest players in the world. They have survived through the, essentially, what's probably a great thing. The tobacco industry has been taken apart, but these guys have not. And this is a great company. I Do love it. Do worry about these stocks being dividend-paying stocks in a rising interest rate environment? Not yet. Interest rates aren't going to rise that quickly. I mean, interest rates are so low right now, and they continue to remain there. And you're still talking about three hikes. It's not going to make that big a difference. I think these dividend stocks are going to be perfectly fine through this cycle. I mean, I'm with you on rates. I just don't see the environment changing a lot. I know the short end has moved. But even that, I mean, at what point, when you start getting into 2-plus percent money, does capital go for that in this real interest rate environment? We're getting there. All right, let's shift gears here. As we ring in 2018 this weekend, what better way to welcome the new year than with our traders who pick stocks to cheers in the new year with? So why don't we start off with uh, Carter Braxenworth? So, uh, so my pick for, if you can only pick one, is FedEx. You know, this is a, a name that has all sorts of structural tailwinds. It is also best in class, if you will. And also its chart is good. I'm in the chart business. And if you're into fundamentals, it just put up one heck of a quarter. Gina. My favorite. So I, I actually am into Alibaba. I know that it's been going strong, but if you believe in e-tailing, then you believe in Alibaba. And if you believe in global trade, it trade it, they deliver to 29 different countries. So you're still tra tra play, trading that global story. Mike. General Motors, the stock is incredibly cheap, and they're selling a lot of cars overseas, over 400,000 in December alone in China. I like General Motors. Tim. Well, we talked about Diageo, so again, I'm going to raise my glass in New Year's Eve. Mel, you have a very happy New Year. Great to have everybody, Gina. And yep. Thank you all for watching 2017. Absolutely. Thanks for making it a great year here on Fast Money. Have a very happy and safe New Year's. We'll see you here. Options Action's up right after the break. Stay tuned. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.